Welcome back to another episode of the Colin Sunelia Podcast on the one and only Talent 409 Network. This podcast brought to you as always by Sweat With Stods. As people are going back to school, this is a time of year that feels like a fresh slate. Already a month in, still fresh enough. So if improved health and fitness is a goal of yours, now is a great time to start. Sweat With Stods offers a hit at home program in the form of a downloadable PDF that includes 30 days of expertly designed workouts. The format is five 30-minute workouts per week with no equipment necessary. Hit at home usually costs $30, but you can get it for only $20 using the code CCP. That's code CCP for a $10 discount on this program. If you ever find yourself saying you don't have enough time, money, equipment, or knowledge to get fit, this program is for you. Commit to yourself and see what you can accomplish with $20 in 30 days. Today we have another solo podcast. Today we're going to be talking about resilience, the leadership quality trait resilience. But before we get started, don't forget, check us out, Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else that you listen to your podcast, rate and review us. That's what's going to help me grow. That's what's going to help me know if you guys like what I'm doing. Please take a quick minute, rate and review, get to it. And now, before we get started, a little bit of a mix-up. It's boss time. Okay, welcome to the show. One of my favorite things to do in preparation for each week's podcast is actually doing research. It's funny, if you had asked me in high school or in college what my feelings on research were, I would have given you a big fat thumbs down. What a waste of time is what I thought of research. Well, joke's on me because I missed valuable time in my adolescent years that could have significantly contributed to my learning. Why am I talking about research? Colin, get to the point. In the midst of my recent research, I came across another podcast that had former NBA MVP and now Hall of Famer Steve Nash on as a guest. During the pod, he began to talk about resiliency and this resiliency trait that he was trying to learn how to identify in kids at his soccer academy when they were 12 years old versus waiting until a professional organization drafts them and invests into them when they're 22, 23 years old and more fully developed. For those of you that don't know, Steve Nash is Canadian, and I'm not being stereotypical, but Nash loves soccer. He was very good at soccer, and he is one of the continuing influences of the sport's popularity in our neighboring country, plus he is a pioneer for trying to grow the popularity within the United States as well. He just happened to also be an excellent basketball player, and is another example of an athlete that played multiple sports growing up and did not specialize. Another talk for another time. Anyway, back to resilience. I was immediately curious when he began talking about the trait because the first question that came out of the mouth of the host was, how do you identify that? Isn't that more of a human thing than anything else? I was hooked from there. Much like with mental disease in the American society, 
it is much harder for people, for most people to feel the same remorse that they would for somebody that is suffering through depression versus somebody that is battling cancer. For some people, believing in mental health is like believing in Santa Claus. They think it's a fantasy. With something like cancer, it's quote unquote real in terms of how you can see the effects of it on a person, falling out of hair, loss of weight, etc. Newsflash, some of those same symptoms are a result of people suffering with depression, anxiety, or exorbitant amounts of high stress. When it comes to physical and non-physical player development in athletes, a lot of us have the same thoughts as we do towards mental health. How can you measure the leadership qualities of an individual? You can count the number of reps that an athlete takes on the squat rack in the weight room. You can't count how many times a player's leadership impacts the performance of their team, right? Not quite, but first, let's go back to Steve Nash. When Nash was posed the question by the host of how do we identify resiliency in players, he came back with an answer that should satisfy even the most untrusting of people. One of the areas Nash started talking about was early development and early recognition. This is something that I believe in, and it's a huge reason why I work with high school athletes and even some middle school athletes versus just collegiate or professional level ones. At the earlier stage of a player's non-physical development, it is much easier not only to influence them and to try to guide them towards doing the right things, but it also becomes easier to learn which players respond well to coaching and those that do not. Part of being a resilient athlete is being able to take constructive feedback from a coach or administrator and change your behavior or actions. Nash made an excellent point when he said that if, at their soccer academy, they pull a player aside when they're 12 years old for complaining or pointing fingers, they give them a talk in private about why that's not the right thing to do, and the player needs to be reminded eight to ten times or even worse year over year well then he says the parents of the child should probably think about sending their kid to another academy not only is that type of behavior selfish and unsportsmanlike but if nash and his colleagues are trying to give them private and one-on-one direction and the kids are refusing to change or simply can't adapt then they probably don't have the resiliency gene. Merriam-Webster defines resilience as an ability to recover from or adjust easily to misfortune or change. When a 12-year-old is not getting their way and they complain to an umpire, a referee, a coach, and sometimes anyone that is within the vicinity, they need to learn that their attitude is a hindrance to themselves and their teammates. A coach gives them feedback, asks them to knock it off, gives them an opportunity to go back out on the field and change, the coach is giving them the ability to recover from a selfish mistake. What does the kid do? This is an important trait to note in the development of an athlete because, as Nash points out, it's not always going to be about how you perform on the field with your physical skills. If you can't keep your composure after a bad call and are getting thrown out of games or constantly being sent to the penalty box, You can be the world's greatest athlete, but no one is ever going to get to see it, and eventually you'll run out of chances to get to prove your value. The most important point to Nash's quest of early development of the resiliency trait is that if you wait until you're in college or in the pros, 
it becomes much harder to change your approach and your attitude towards anything. As people, we are much less impressionable as 22-year-olds than we were at age 12. And we are even less impressionable at age 32 than at 22, and so on. There are essentially two parts to this talk, the early development piece and the resilience piece. I'm going to get away from the early development and finish with more about resilience. Here's a great reason why being resilient is important to the success of an athlete. Nobody is perfect. You all knew that. You didn't need me to tell you here on this podcast. For example, a Hall of Fame batting average in baseball is 300, which simply means as a batter, you fail 7 out of every 10 times that you come to the plate. This is part of the reason why coaches and parents tell younger athletes to never get too high or too low, because over the course of any season, you cannot always be so focused and so hyped up. Eventually, you'll burn out. In addition, if you're failing at a 70% clip and getting more and more frustrated, you're only going to find more failure ahead. Being able to right your ship and fix mistakes and learn from failure is going to make you more resilient and keep you happy playing the games that you love. The ability to bounce back from a poor performance or a detrimental mistake is crucial to an athlete's success. As much as athletes hate to admit it, failure is a part of the game. When an athlete places too much emphasis on his or her failures, performance begins to suffer. So as we do on any of these solo pods, I like to try to give remedies and help out as much as possible versus just giving you the information and expecting you to be able to figure it out on your own. So how can you practice becoming more resilient? One of the first pieces of advice that I can give anybody is to reframe your situation. Reframing is the process of changing the way you view a situation or an event, anything related to that. Instead of viewing something in a negative way, we can choose to view it in a more productive way. For example, instead of viewing a loss as a failure, you can choose to view it as a learning experience and what to do better next time. You cannot change the result, but you can change what the result means. Let me say that again. You cannot change the result of a game, but you can change what the result means. And this is what reframing is all about. The second piece of advice, learn which conditions you can and cannot control. My dad used to always tell me that if I was leaving a game situation up to be decided by an umpire or a referee, then I wasn't putting myself or my team in the best position to succeed. Blaming umpires and referees is a go-to for athletes and fans alike. They are easy targets, but they are also human beings like you and I, and that all that means is it makes them prone to mistakes. So if you don't want them to make the deciding call in a big game or situation, then you need to make sure that you never put them in that situation in the first place. Limit your mistakes. Play a clean game. Start fast. Control the flow of a game. And the less the influence of an umpire or a ref is going to have on the eventual outcome of the game. Those are things you can control. You cannot control the decision of an umpire or a referee. 
The third piece of advice, model resilient behavior. Who are some of the most resilient athletes you know? The ones that can lead their team down the field in the fourth quarter needing a touchdown and with only a minute 30 left on the clock and no timeouts. Even if they've had a bad game up to that point, you feel good about your chances with this player leading you. One great example I can give for a current player is my school's quarterback, Trace McSorley. The dude is about as resilient as they come. He's had tough moments, like back in 2016 when he lost a couple early fumbles and then threw a late interception that sealed a loss to Pitt. And if you're a Penn State person, you know how much we hate losing to Pitt. What came after that, though? A run to the Big Ten Championship, which we won, and just narrowly missing out on getting the team into the college football playoffs. Trace could have let that bad moment or those bad moments from the pit game haunt him all season long, and the inconsistency would have been too much to overcome in such an important position on the field against teams like Ohio State and Wisconsin, both of which we ended up beating that season. Instead, he put the bad performance behind him, became a more consistent passer, held on to the football, and he became the undisputed leader of an emerging force in college football. Model resilient behavior. There are plenty of athletes on our TVs to choose from. The last piece of advice that I want to give is to develop your technical skills. I talked about a little bit earlier how Nash pointed out that your physical and technical skills aren't always going to be the only thing that carries you on the field. But it's also important to note that your technical skills can help you be a resilient player. Athletes and others who are exceptionally technically and physically competent are usually more resilient to setbacks in their performance. So when an athlete has experienced poor performance, those who have high level skills realize recreating a successful result is not about breaking down the whole process and starting over. Technically competent athletes know all they have to do is go back to a time when they had success and go back to the basics of their technique which had delivered that initial success. This is going to help them rebound faster than if the athlete had a poor level of skills and needs to also be thinking about the establishment and improvement in their basic skill level. Developing your technical skills will lead you to more consistent muscle memory which will lead to better results on a more consistent basis as well. Skill training is a grind, I know, but it pays off big time and can be one of the single biggest benefits to helping you be a resilient athlete. When I was 12 years old, I was playing in my last year of Little League. For those of you that don't know me, I'm not the tallest of people in the world. and I certainly wasn't that tall when I was in Little League, but I wanted to perform well and I had not up to that point done what I thought I was capable of doing. There were a couple things that led to success that I eventually had in that last season of Little League. One was physical development, the first time I had ever started lifting weights and doing anything related to building muscle in my body. But the other was a single drill, a technical drill that I did off a tee on a daily basis. My dad actually got it out of a book and I recreated it 
and it really helped with my front arm. For those of you that are baseball geeks, you know how much that lead hand is important to hitting, and it really helped me drive my hand and get my arms extended to the point where I actually ended up leading my little league in home runs, and I was probably under five foot. And it wasn't like I just hit one or two homers, I hit dozens of them. It was really eye-opening for me at a young age to know how much of to know how much of an impact a technical skill could make on my performance because I had struggled even earlier on in that season before I broke out and just crushed everything that came my way. Regular season, playoffs, championship game, tournament of champions, all-star games, I hit home runs in every single one of those events. And yeah, home runs aren't everything, but I was helping my team win and that was important and it all came because of that skill set that I developed. And I realized a little too late when I was older and I kind of got lazy and got away from it that had I stuck with it through middle school, high school, especially into high school when I really got lazy with my skill because like I said, it's, it's a grind. Nobody wants to do the skill training, but it's important and I know in myself had I been more willing to put that work in and done that work I would have had better results in high school and that's something that only I can control and it's something that could have made me a more resilient athlete but it's something I decided not to do for a number of different reasons and just want to give you you know personal example of something that I learned and I learned the good of it and I learned the hard way, the bad of it as well. Develop your technical skills. So to recap, the things that I think can help you become more of a resilient athlete are going to be reframe your situation, learn which conditions you can and cannot control, model resilient behavior, and develop your technical skills. Finally, I want to touch on the question I posed earlier, which was, you can't count how many times a player's leadership impacts the performance of a team, right? In my opinion, if you aren't counting, then you aren't paying attention. If we go back to my McSorley example from earlier, I guarantee you if I asked James Franklin or any of McSorley's coaches from high school, they would be emphatic in saying that As a leader, he has positively impacted the performance of his teams countless times. And while countless isn't a pure number per se, maybe that's the point. Maybe sometimes we rely too much on data and not enough on intuition. James Franklin and his staff were one of the only schools in the entire country, if not the only school in the entire country, to offer McSorley as a quarterback and not as a safety like all the other schools wanted him to be. McSorley had been to four straight AAAA Virginia State Championship games. He won three of them. And Coach Franklin and his staff saw a leader who was resilient enough to continue to impact the performance of his teams and get them to their ultimate goals. Much like LeBron James in another sport, LeBron has helped guide his team to eight straight NBA Finals. That's resiliency. That's someone that never lets his emotions get too high or too low 
and is always doing everything possible to get his team to where everyone wants to go. In his case, an NBA Finals and an NBA Championship. And if at this point I still haven't convinced you that resiliency is important, then maybe you are in the wrong profession. That's going to be it for today's solo pod on the leadership quality, resiliency, or resilience. I want to thank you for taking some time here today to listen to the podcast. Again, if you have some time, please rate and review the podcast. It would greatly help me with feedback and help the podcast grow to different audiences. We are brought to you by Sweat With Stods. Again, you can get $10 off by using the coupon code CCP at checkout. It's $20 for the Hit at Home program. Get started with it today. Make my wife happy. Make my life easier. Commit to yourself and see what you can accomplish with $20 in 30 days. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk soon. Take it easy. So